You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Like, if I ever won my um, $500 million in the lottery, mm-hmm. I would literally have, like, I would have a bathroom like this. I'd, I'd spend, like, a million bucks on a fucking bathroom. I believe that. It'd be so freaking sick. I believe that. I'm all about showers and toilets and all that fun stuff. Mm. Everyone needs a good shit out. Uh, this is sweet. They have, like... God, it's like everything's like controlled by like buttons, and they can actually like preset. So one person had a shower that they have it like on a on a timer, mm-hmm. and they have like it's like uh, the water is pre mixed like before it ever comes out of the uh, the the faucet, and it like pre mixes to like a set temperature. And it's like say if you get up at like seven o'clock every morning. Mm-hmm. And you get up and go take a shower. It's like the shower starts at like seven o'clock, like when your alarm's going off. Oh my! That's a half a million dollar bathroom. That's sweet. Sweet. Oh my! And luckily for us, it just ended, so I can now give you a green undivided attention. Thank you. As uh, as I'm sure the people will love hearing on the Affordable Podcast that. Doing this, podcast. this this week's episode, awesome bathrooms. Oh man, I wish. Um, there, there are some teams definitely going towards the toilet. We'll talk oh, about that. Nice, lovely Hey, welcome to your Ford Affair podcast, episode two two four. I am Edward Green, joined as always by McCullough Crime, Wes Bradshaw. We have a hum dinger of an episode for you guys today. Uh, we will be breaking down the latest in the Premier League, where I will be giving. Uh, in a new segment, brand new segment, I will be giving scalding hot takes, and Wes Bradshaw will tell me why I'm an idiot for giving those hot takes. We will give those hot takes later, though, in the Premier League. Uh, we'll have news and notes, just one story, but damn, is it a big story that has really just come through today. Uh, so wait for that a little bit, and as well as uh, watch for and a big so raw. After uh, after SummerSlam and and WWE Raw on Monday oh. night, some big stuff. Bed, I went to bed happy. <sighs> Always good when he goes to bed happy. Um, oh. And we're also, of course, happy with uh, NGSC Sports. They're presenting this podcast and at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. Uh, and the soccer sure does it now that we are two weeks into the Premier League season. First, for the hot takes, let's get to the matches we're not going to talk about. Uh, Cardiff and Newcastle played to a nil-nil draw. Uh, Everton uh, got back to winning ways with a 2-1 win over Southampton. Uh, Theo Wolcott and Ricarlison. Uh, Ricarlison again hitting on the board worth every pence, I guess, since we're in England. Uh, uh, right now, as Danny Ings, fresh on loan on Southampton, uh, got a goal. 
uh, but it wasn't enough to pull the Saints back. Uh, Leicester gets their first win of the year with a 2-0 win over Wolves. Uh, an own goal, uh, unfortunately, started the thing, uh, the time for Matt Doherty. And then uh, a good summer buy on the cheap for Leicester, James Madison, coming in and picking up the second one right before halftime. Uh, West Ham is in a little bit of turbulence as they have a second straight loss to start the season. This time a 2-1 loss at home to Bournemouth. The Cherries are up. Uh, Mark Ornatovic with the penalty for West Ham in the first half. But in the span of six minutes after the hour mark, uh, Bournemouth turned it all around. Goals from Callum Wilson as well as Steve Cook gave the Cherries all three points. And then uh, finally, Watford 3, Burnley 1. And Turf Moor not looking as hard as it was last season as Watford uh, got three goals, two of them in the first half, um, to get past the tough Burnley side. As Watford looked like one of the early surprises of the season, which means, of course, around week they will be changing their manager and everything will go to where? The toilet. Ha <laughs> ha! There we are. So, Wes... Let's let's now go as we do our five match talk, and we are going to start. Speaking of toilets, um, oh, Ohio State suspended Urban Meyer for three games. Good for them. Um, that's not. At least, where we're did, at least they did something. Yeah, that's not where we're starting though. Speaking of toilets, um, I'm just kidding, Nick Petrovich. Um, we are going to start though. He's a, he's a, he's a bobcat. Don't go even. That's, that's true. Uh, we're going to start at the Amex Community Stadium where Brighton and Hove Albion pounded Manchester United 3-2. And yes, that is a score that flatters to deceive. Uh, Paul Pogba with the pity penalty, as one writer put it, in the 94th minute. United's blushes a little, but it was all Brighton all the time. Uh, goals from Glenn Murray and Shane Duffy just two minutes apart at the 25-minute mark. And Pascal Gross with a penalty just before the half, made it 3-1, which saw Brighton on to the win. So obviously there's been a lot coming out of Manchester United this week. Uh, a lot of transfer talk, Mena Areola uh, getting on the Twitter and, and, and just blowing everything up. Uh, there's been unrest. So Wes, hot take of hot takes. Here's my hot take <laughs> about Manchester United. Josie Mourinho will finish the season at Manchester United. Tell me why I'm wrong. <sighs> I think you're um, – now, that said, with that hot take, I couldn't, I couldn't see where he could. Mm-hmm. But right now – It feels wow. like a hot take right now. It, it, has, it has all the classic feelings of the third season. Um, you've got unrest in the locker room. You've got Mourinho just publicly throwing a hissy fit about everything. And what's funny this time is, you know, the last time we had the unnamed rap, we had the unnamed source. Well, this time we know exactly who it's coming from because Paul Pogba has no problem telling you exactly what he thinks. Um, It's been funny because the last few weeks, it's like Pogba and Mourinho have completely – it's like Mourinho's come out with something and then Pogba's just been like, no, blow it up, turn it around. Yeah. You know, in week one it was um, – it was, you know, it was over him and the penalty and them getting the win. But, you know, oh, you know, we, we did not do well, da-da-da-da-da-da. 
And then uh, Papa saying, oh, no, I thought we did great. <laughs> yeah, and, and this week it's uh, Mourinho saying, you know, well, you can you can put this loss on me. You know, this is my fault. And then Papa coming out and saying, no, nah, it was our fault. We had bad attitudes. We weren't ready to play. We weren't ready to do it. So, um, you know, two weeks, two different um, two different trains of thought. And it's just, I mean, I, I can't see this getting any better. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're playing depressing football. Somehow De Gea has become an extremely ordinary goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, but the last 14 shots De Gea's face has given up 10 goals. He looks really bad on those first two goals, too. And, and I mean, he just, he just doesn't. He just doesn't look good. I mean, who knows? I mean, he could be anything. Maybe he's a little disappointed that he's that he didn't get the chance to go to Madrid, mm-hmm. and now he kind of knows it's gonna. You know, that might never happen now. Right. <laughs> you know, Wicker Twaggling. Um, I don't know, but I mean, he looked really pedestrian at the World Cup of Spain. He's looking really pedestrian this year for United. You know, he's a guy who's been so important for them over the last few years. He's. I mean, he's been their player of the year. We've talked about it. He's he's kind of been the difference in them going to Europa or going to the Champions League. Um, and with him not playing well, suddenly we're seeing all the cracks in that defense, mm-hmm. which you know, in Mourinho's defense, he, he said, I need better defenders. Eric Bailly is Probably. not good. God, I had an argument with a guy about two weeks ago who was saying that he was world class. Ooh. I was like, do, do you understand what world class means? It doesn't mean he's the de- the best defender at Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the entire world. Um, so, you know, Mourinho might have had a point. The problem is, you know, Mourinho's the one who bought all these guys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's he bitching about? I mean, he he bought these guys to start with. So, uh, you know, you kind of have to lie in the bed you make sometimes. Uh but, yeah, as for Josie not making it through the season, this is getting more and more public. Um, Mina Raiola is completely off the hook at this time. Yeah. Um, you know, he's divine opinion. He's getting people fired up, blood boiling. I've always kind of said that. I think if it came down to keeping Pogba or Mourinho, that United would pick Pogba. And I still believe that. They have a and I Oh, yeah. Well, I know that said, I I don't think there's any chance whatsoever that they sell now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't replace them. You know, there's there's your problem right. in the Premier League. You can't replace a player. But, you know, it's it's only going to start up. They're not going to sell them in January. But that's all you're going to hear for a month in January. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear about it. It's not going to happen. But... I think if, if Mourinho and Pogba can't come to some sort of a compromise soon, mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing. It's kind of sad that it's come to this. Pogba holds most of the cards in this relationship. Yeah. I mean, you look at it. I mean, the guy's got two goals in two matches, albeit both from the penalty spot. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, and he, he's still Pogba. And here's the thing, man. You know, nowadays – you know, once again, there are only a couple of clubs in the world where the manager – is bigger than the than the players. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for Mourinho, they're within about a thirty mile radius of them. <laughs> Other side of town, one's down the uh, one's down the road, you know, City and Liverpool. Um, 
I mean, I, I, I really, I really can't think of any other club in the world where the manager is bigger than the players right now. Mm-hmm. Where the manager would have that kind of say to be like, no, get him out of here. Superstar player, get him out of here. Um, I can't really think of anywhere else in the world that can do that. Ventus, Ronaldo runs the show. Oh, Ronaldo would run the show. If it came down between Ronaldo and Allegri, mm-hmm. it would be Ronaldo. Um, Chelsea, you know, is it? You know, we, we know how Chelsea managers go. Um, with Arsenal right now, I don't think um, uh, I don't think he holds that kind of power. Pochettino, maybe, but I still think if it came down to Pochettino or Harry Kane, Spurs are picking Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. Now, let's put it this way: I think if it came down to Pochettino or Harry Kane, I think Pochettino would be the odd man out. If it came down to Klopp or Salah, it would be Klopp. If it came down to Pep and De Bruyne, it would be Pep. Yeah. If it comes down to Mourinho and Pogba, I think it's going to be Pogba. So, you know, there are very few situations in this world where the manager has kind of that autonomy. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for Mourinho, he's not at one of them. And B, he's just under a complete microscope anyway at this point. Mm-hmm. Most, a lot of it has been self-made. You can't blame anybody but himself for some of this shit. Yeah. But I, I, I just... Now, here's the deal. Here's why I could see him staying to the end of the year. It's going to cost a good amount of money to get rid of him. Yeah. And just signed a new contract in January, I believe. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, still can't figure that out, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't figure out how you give a guy this bumper contract, but then won't give him any money to go get what he wants, or then won't go get him what he asked for, you know? So, I mean, that was that was stupid. <laughs> that was stupid in its own right. But that's United. That's United under Woodward and the Glazers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see Mourinho gone before this season's out. I'm gonna I'm gonna play you a scenario I, I had out in my head when I was when I was thinking of the questions I was gonna ask uh, and the hot takes I was gonna give. This was this was kind of my my where my brain went. If if Mourinho does leave United, I started thinking, you know how? Okay, wait. Let me back up. I thought if Mourinho stayed at United, why would he stay? And A, you said the cost. B, I also don't think there's a valid replacement out there right now. That that would leave to come to United. The only scenario I could come up with, and if the, if you think I'm wrong or if there's a better one out there, please let me know um, or tweet at us if you guys out there think of a better one. Here's, here's my scenario where it works. It's about week 12, 13, Newcastle's in 17th. Rafa didn't get what he wanted in this transfer market. And all of a sudden, the United job opens up. Rafa, leave for United? Two-edged sword. A, I don't think Rafa would go. B, don't think – I mean, buddy, you just – you've got to understand that would come with Rafa going to United. Okay. Think about it. When Rafa went to Chelsea mm-hmm. – Fans threw conditions because he had been the Liverpool manager. Mm-hmm. Liverpool and United don't mix. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I just and, – and Rafa is uh, – Rafa Benitez is still a guy who's extremely well thought of by a large majority of Liverpool supporters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, the guy won us our last Champions League. I mean, he's he is one of – you know, he is one of um, three men to win a Champions League at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um. He enjoyed, you know, he went to war with Alex Ferguson. War of words, a lot of nasty things said back then. Um, 
I, I don't think that would work at all. I just, I don't think it would ever. I think if that came out in the paper, mm-hmm. I think United fans would go absolutely ballistic. That, and that was really, but I think that's my point. Is that's that's really the only scenario I can ever see happening where United gets a semi comparable manager in the well, middle of the season the, if they get rid the, of Josie. The only one I can think of is if they um, had an agreement that no one knew about with Zidane. Well, then, I mean, we heard about Zidane possibly coming in at the end of the season. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's say, you know, but that, that I'm just saying yeah. that could yeah. be something. Zidane sure. or, or this out. I wonder what old Tony Conte is up to these days. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I cannot see Conte. Well, I thought, isn't he? Didn't he go back to be the Italy men's coach? Is he there now? I thought so. I might be wrong. I, I, I might be. Wrong. I don't think so. I'll, I'll see real quick what he's up to. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't believe he's. Um, I don't believe he's got a job right now. I think he's uh, just kind of chilling. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He, he, he I, I think that was mentioned. In the beginning of the summer, you know, two months before they actually ended up firing him, that yeah. when he would be let go, yeah. that he would he would go there back there. So that that's my um, on that one. Don't believe we could don't say uh, say you know don't also forget that we could always get a get a start to the off rumored uh, Ryan Giggs Man United. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, there's other ones like you know we could always get Sam Allardyce back into the thing but like oh my sweet jesus it would be the dream of sam allardyce i'll finally got a big club <laughs> no 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 they could, there's no way in hell they could go for sam allardyce they would go for a caretaker manager they went for david Moyes. don't forget they, well, yeah but i mean at least david Moyes had gotten everton to the champions league at least yes, yeah i mean we're talking we're talking Sam Allardyce, who just literally kept barely kept Everton above water last year, <laughs> and is like the most. I, I mean, remember with United, a lot of it, they're playing the the PR game, mm-hmm. and they're playing the you know the world sponsorship game. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you can't you can't even for half a season go into someone's office. Yeah, our manager Sam Allardyce. <laughs> no, I mean, there, there's just some things that won't happen. Um, I could almost I could almost see them um, luring away Kara uh, Southgate before Sam Allardyce. Yeah, yeah, and that wouldn't be a great hire either. You know, I, I mean, literally, I could see them just going with an interim manager for the rest of the season, and then maybe having something set up for Zidane or someone to come in next season. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just. I mean, the thing is, the United, yeah, you know, you don't want to be out there without that manager, mm-hmm. and and you're not just going to settle to bring in Allardyce or Alan Pardew or someone like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, if Mourinho gets to a certain point, you can't if, – if you're not playing well, Mourinho's just gone off the rails. He's talking shit about ownership. He's talking shit about the players. He's talking shit about Ed Woodward. I mean, there does come a point where you can't possibly keep Josie Mourinho around. Sure. Oh, yeah. And I don't think we're – we're not at that point yet. Mourinho, 
Mourinho, I think, is kind of trying to play nice right now. But it's just it's it's like it's just not in his system to be able to do it very long. Yeah. You know, the best thing that got for United is just get a couple of three ones or two nils mm-hmm. and just kind of get just kind of get where they're not talking about you every week. And then maybe, you know, they could try something, but you know, right now it's just all eyes are on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you know, you can point, well, Arsenal's lost their first two matches. Yeah, they also lost to, you know, two teams that are have a chance to finish in the top four. Mm-hmm. You know, and the and the runway pick to be the champion. Okay, Arsenal's just under a brutal start. New manager. People know they're having to somewhat rebuild that team. I mean, this is year three Mourinho. This team's supposed to be rebuilt by now. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to be you're supposed to be poised to win a title this year. Not whining because, you know, the near four hundred million pounds that you spent hasn't been enough the last three years. Mm-hmm. So um I mean there's a definite chance, but you know, I think United just has more minefields to that than Crystal Palace did or Watford will or something like that. Sure. So yeah. Well, it's it's already started interesting at United, and it's only going to get more crazy from here. Don't worry, Ed Woodward. Your your sleepless nights have only just begun. Um, balls, balls. <laughs> so we're going to head over uh, to Stamford Bridge for our second match uh, and our second hot take. Uh, a a big twelve thirty Eastern Time match between Chelsea and Arsenal. Uh, Chelsea looked like they were running away with it early. Pedro with a goal in the ninth minute. Murata, he scored in a goal in the 20th minute. Uh, I was about to text you all sorts of snarky things about how terrible mm-hmm. Arsenal is. But, oh, lo and behold, they came back with two before the end of the first half uh, from Mkhitaryan and Alex Iwobi, who, yeah, Bleacher Report kind of sent out a bunch of people who didn't like Alex Iwobi, and then he scored a goal. Ha, ha, ha. Bleacher mm-hmm. Report, you suck. Um, so it went to half 2-2. Uh, Arsenal and Chelsea fought, 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 and then Marcus Alonso snuck one past uh, Petr Cech in the 81st minute to give Chelsea the three to win. My hot take, Wes, for this match is that both teams have a lot of holes. Neither one is that great. Arsenal even less so than Chelsea. And neither one's going to finish in the top four. How am I wrong? If United can just get themselves calmed down, like we were talking about, mm-hmm. they'll finish in the top four. Okay. My preseason prediction for them finishing six was completely based on Mourinho burning it down this uh, this uh, season. Mm-hmm. If they can, if they can solidify, they'll they'll be a top finisher, and your top four will be Liverpool, City, United, or uh, Tottenham somewhere in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pick your group out of however you want to. And what? Um, I, I'm gonna tell you, Chelsea have been somewhat impressive through two matches. Uh, but I say that as in they've been impressive, but but you can definitely tell they they have issues. Mm-hmm. They've just been able to come out and you know they played two at this point pretty shit teams. Yeah. Um, sorry. I mean, sorry, Arsenal. It's just where you are right now. Um, Arsenal, once again, it, it, anyone who doesn't think that this whole Arsenal deal is a 
progress, you don't understand what you're looking at. This is not a team that's set up to win this year. I, I, I very uh, maybe positively picked them to finish fourth this year. Mm-hmm. Through two matches, I've seen the extreme error of my way. <laughs> I mean, it's, they're bad. I mean, they're bad. And the thing is, they can they can turn some things around, but Unai Emery's got to figure out his best eleven. And he's got to figure out who needs to be playing. You need to start the back, start at goal. Who needs to be your goalie? Who needs to be your center backs? Yeah. Um, uh, who, who is it? Kachelny. How long is Kachelny out for? Uh, at least another couple of months. Let me uh, let me check on that real. Okay, you check on that. I'll keep I'll keep you in my mouth. Um, you know, Kachelny's not going to be back for a while. You're kind of stuck with this whole Mustafi Papadopoulos. Papa Stoppa, whatever. I'm calling Papa Doppels. Socrates, there you go. You're stuck with this Mustafi Socrates central defensive pairing, which is just, it's terrible. I mean, it's terrible. Um, Arsenal have talented players. uh, As Craig Burley, um, as Craig Burley called, Mezzadozo, I almost I want to make sure I get this right before I say it. Um, well, anyway, we'll, we'll get on that in just a minute. Um, you've got this front line that they're not quite doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, Bubba Yang isn't really firing yet. Uh, Mkhitaryan, uh, who the hell knows? You know, he's one of those. I think he's coming. Just his run with Josie Mourinho might have completely ruined him. Yeah. Um, and that's that's sad. Okay, here we go, just so I have it. Uh, Craig Burley referred to Mezzudoza as a 300,000-pound-a-week nightmare that Unai Emery has inherited. Um, as, as you loyal listeners know, I've been preaching this gospel about Mezzudoza for about three years now. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, you've got this team. The way Unai Emery, Unai Emery wants his team to look more like City and Liverpool, maybe not to ratchet it up quite as much as Liverpool, but to play more like City, mm-hmm. where they pressure, they play the high line. Um, and, you know, when, when you lose the ball, you're trying to win the ball back. Well, the problem is his two wingers are Mkhitaryan and Mazzadozel who have never found a ball that either, especially Ozil, ever decided was worth trying to win back. But the reason you play them is because you are paying them an immense amount of money, especially Mesut Ozil. Um, You're paying these guys an insane amount of money. You can't justify from your investment the fact that they're not playing. Sure. And Emery is still new enough in this job where he, he, he kind of has to go with those big names mm-hmm. because I don't know if he realize if he knows, truth be told, I can't tell you if Arsenal has anything else. But right now what you see is you see Emery stuck with a team that is not built the way he wants. And he that's the word is that he's stuck with them. Mm-hmm. And I think it could it could get tougher at Arsenal before it gets better. I think Arsenal I think Arsenal may have the right 
I'm a little bullish on Emory as a manager. Mm-hmm. But to expect the top four finish, any sort of a title challenge, I think right now is ludicrous. And right now, by the time it's said and done, we could see Arsenal fall to a point that we've never seen them fall personally. I mean, Arsenal could be back into the top 10 this year. Yeah. It could just turn out to be that tough of a season for them, Um, especially when you've got some other teams that I think are capable of pushing. One of them I was wrong about earlier, one being Everton maybe. Um, I still think West Ham is going to turn around. Um, Bournemouth's looking really good early on. Uh, Leicester is looking right solid early on. I mean, there's teams that can push for that Arsenal spot. Certainly. Um, yeah, yeah. Tough and, season coming up for Arsenal. And real quick on that note, um, uh, we didn't even mention Saeed Kolasinic, uh, who is also uh, out and still uh, until at least October when he'll return to training. Koscielny, uh he won't return to training until November. Um, so that's that's going to be a while still before he's back in the fold. So Arsenal dealing also with a lot of injuries um, and what's already... And I think you mentioned, you know, Emery's trying to figure out his best 11. I don't think he has most of that best 11 available to him, uh, which is definitely a problem. But um, at, at the same token... Neither of these teams can play defense. If you can, if you can prevent goals against either of these teams, you're probably going to win against them. Uh, and that's like I think I think both of these clubs' biggest problems. Chelsea looks a little better than Arsenal. Uh, they're obviously scoring a lot more goals, but I, I, I worry very much about the back line. David Luiz didn't suddenly get a lot better again no. overnight. That, that well, and, and and two when you look at, I mean, look at the two teams. Chelsea have played, once again, taking into account, yes, the name is Arsenal. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they gave up two goals and probably should have given up a few more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's against an Arsenal team that can't figure out shit right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, just wait till they play uh, uh, Liverpool or a Tottenham or a City uh, or maybe even a United that's got some things figured out. Wait till they play those teams and it could be ugly for Chelsea. Wait till they play a Leicester City, somebody like that, or Everton, or maybe even West Ham down the line, or, you know, Bournemouth or someone like that, and start to show the cracks at Chelsea at the moment. Certainly. Um, Well, a team that showed a very small crack, but quickly patched it up uh, with a couple goals, is Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, They beat Fulham 3-1 on the weekend at Wembley. Uh, Lucas Mora opened his Premier League account with a goal in the 43rd minute. Um, and then uh, a- after the first half, though, Fulham came out much the brighter. Uh, Alexander Mitrovic uh, headed in a goal that was put on a platter to him by uh, Tottenham Wanty Ryan Sessegnon, showing the kind of touch that made so many Premier League teams want him in the offseason. Uh, that made it 1-1, but Kieran Trippier, 20 minutes later, put a free kick that made it look like it was World Cup 2018 all over again. And then three minutes later, the Angels sang, the choirs voiced out the call from the heavens. You don't even know world, how to get this religious edict out of the As the world came to an end. It was the rapture, West Bradshaw. That's what it was. The four horsemen of the apocalypse or something. I don't know. Um, but Harry So came. was he death, pestilence, or famine? Oh, no, he's war. He's proper hard. Uh, Whoa, bring me my wool pig. Oh, Harry Kane 
has scored a goal in August. Uh, just a few minutes later, uh, he, Eric Lamella fed him a perfect ball into the box. Kerry Kane had to do a little one-two step and then put it in for Tottenham's third and his first ever goal in August. So Tottenham, two straight wins, taking care of Fulham from comfortable fashion from then on. Wes, my hot take is this. Now that he has scored in August, Harry Kane is officially the best goal scorer in the Premier League. How am I wrong? No, I'm, I'm going to have to go back to all the great English pundits. You know, I think the mark of his power was the fact that he could have these 20-plus goal seasons without scoring in August. Mm-hmm. Now that he scored in August, then, I think he's lost his luster. Uh-huh. You know, he's probably lost his powers. Get ready for a four-goal season. Get ready for him to be the next Christian Benteke. Um, No, uh, Harry Harry Kane may not be the most explosive scorer in the league. Um, I think that title might belong to Mo Salah. But when it comes to just being a consistent number nine 20 to 25 goals in a season. Harry Kane is the most consistent scorer in the Premier League. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you could say he's the best scorer in the Premier League. I got zero issue saying that. Um, Harry Kane knows how to get on the ball. He knows where to find himself. He, he's great with finding space. He's great with finding places that he knows that those great passers on his team, um, especially someone like Christian Eriksen, mm. He knows where to get so they can find him and give him a chance to score goals. So, uh, Harry Kane, uh, I'm I'm not predicting. What what would this be, the post-grad year slump? Yes. (laughs) No no sophomore, no junior, no senior slump. This would be his post-grad slump. So, we'll see if if it finally occurs. Now that he's out in the working world. You know, one day he's going to be 35 years old and it's just going to be slowing down and he's going to score 11 goals that season. And Harry Redknapp, in between taking sucks of auction, I told you he was a fresh in Japan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone will eventually get around to that when he's like 35 years old and is like Spurs' third choice at that point because, you know, he's a 35-year-old striker. <laughs> Someone was, I told you he was, he was only a 15-year fresh in Japan. <laughs> Oh, hardly, nice. hardly to the level of Dupuim. Uh, you know, I, I think, in, in, and you mentioned this, and, and you talked about Mosala being maybe the most explosive striker, and mm-hmm. I think I'd agree with that. I, I do think a lot of people, though, undervalue how good Harry Kane actually is at scoring goals. Because I, I, and I feel like a lot of it has to do with. The, the amount he scores, because uh-huh. with the amount he scores, we we know he does the tap ins, we know he takes the penalties, and and those are there. And obviously, you know, we'd also say with the tap ins, there is something to be said. Doing it that many times, you kind of have to have an idea of mm-hmm. being in the right place at the right time. Kind of like how back in the day, Dennis Rodman was such a great rebounder because he knew where to be. Well, um, they call it a he's a fox in the box. Yeah, but I also think Harry Kane has made some. Very good athletic plays to score goals. There's his yes. uh, first game at home against Chelsea when he scored two wonderful goals on the solo efforts almost. There was the uh-huh. one against Southampton where he ran through about three people trying to hack him down 
uh, before he broke through on goal by himself. There was the goal against Arsenal, and the second time he played them at home, they show all the time, when he's wearing the face mask and he curls one in from almost from just inside the box and then rips it off. Harry Kane has scored a lot of very good-looking goals. Mm-hmm. The thing, I, and I, I think some people undervalue, and that's the reason I bring up volume, and not to take anything away from this other person, but a guy like Zerdan Shakiri, mm-hmm. who has not scored a ton of goals, but every time he does, it seems like it's a, a wonder goal. Uh-huh. And so you think, oh, that guy's an amazing goal scorer. That guy's amazing. He's fantastic. Uh-huh. But he doesn't score that many, but it's because all you remember is that every goal he scores is, is tremendous. His With, own match of the week. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you and, see it a hundred times. And then, and then if, uh, let's say if Harry Kane scores five goals in a month and one of them is fantastic from outside the box and four are tap-ins from six yards out, what do people remember? Oh, well, he's a poacher. That's all he does. That's, that's all he does. And I, I think... A lot of people have just been conditioned because of how many goals he scored that that's all he is. And, and I think that does him a disservice to how, how technically gifted he actually is with the ball on his feet and able to make. And look, the goal this weekend, it wasn't super hard. It wasn't super glamorous, but it wasn't a tap-in. It wasn't easy. So, and, and as, because it was in August, it, it had every chance of going wide or going bad somehow else. So I, I do think Harry Kane is still just a little undervalued for how good he is and, and, and the ways he can score. Um, that, that's, that's my little rant on Harry Kane. I, I would agree with you that Salah is probably a little more explosive. <laughs> And is at this point the most explosive in the Premier League. I think Aguero has fallen off enough where where he wouldn't be the top one anymore. Um, but I, I think Harry Kane is right there behind him. I think Harry Kane can really create chances for himself um, that a lot of people won't give him that credit for. Well, now also we have to see what Salah does this season because once again, most Salah's done it for. Season in the Premier League. Harry is in his postgrad year, so we'll see. <laughs> yes. um, can I tell you why I think that Harry Kane is uh, underrated and undervalued by especially the English media? Go, go for it. He's English. Yeah, there's that too. He's yeah. English, yeah, which that. means that he's not Belgian like Lukaku. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not Chilean like Alexis Sanchez. You know, he's not German. He's not um, French like Lacazette or Ghanaian. Wherever the hell Bubby Hanks from, <laughs> uh, he's not Brazilian like Jesus and um, Bobby Firmino. He's, uh, you know, he's not Argentinian like um, like Kun Aguero. He's British, and it's kind of the same thing, you know. When, when Jamie already had his season of scoring, his goal, you know, first there was amazement, and then it was, oh, well, you know, he's not that British. <laughs> He's English. He's not that good. You know, the English especially, and of course, 98% of the football coverage that we actually get in this country comes from English-British um, outlets. You know, I mean, even ESPN FC is full of guys from the British Isles. They're Scottish, they're English, they're Irish, you know. And that's the voice we get. And that voice just has this underlying tone that 
well, we know our guys aren't as good as guys from all over the world. Mm -hmm. The last English player to win the Ballon d'Or was, I believe, Michael Owen. And then, even then, he was getting started at home because, you know, Liverpool didn't win. (laughs) You know, everything they do, they have to find a hole in something. You know, when uh, when Lampard and uh, Gerard always were up high in the Ballon d'Or voting, well, you know, they can't play together. Yeah. The fuck does that have to do with the price of tea in China? <laughs> and I kind of think Harry Kane suffers from that a bit because the English are always, always ready to eat their own. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the World Cup where he won the golden boot. And still they complained about Harry Kane at the World Cup. Yeah. Well, he had a he had two in this game and he scored these penalties. It's just Oh my God! Can can you say anything? It's almost like everything from the English media is a backhanded compliment for Harry Kane. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, he scored these goals. I mean, they were tap ins, but yeah, he scored them. Yeah, I mean, he scored you know a penalty, but yeah, he scored a goal. Good for him. It's it's like I think the English media they kind of want to hype him up because you know he is the English striker, mm-hmm. but at the same time, their natural intuition to Ugh, English not as good. Not as glamorous. Kind of holds it down. Yeah, I just, I think, you know, men and blazers have joked before, but I, his name was um, Harry Canino. <laughs> oh, my God, this guy's amazing. He's the best striker in the world. Harry, Harry Canino from, uh, you know, from Argentina. He, he would be the best striker in the world. <laughs> or right up there. It would be Lewandowski and then Canino. Mm-hmm. But since it's Harry Kane, and since it's Harry Kane, he can't possibly be that good. So that I think that too comes down to something that shapes a lot of opinions. Mm-hmm. Harry Kane's fantastic, man. He's perfect for that Tottenham system. I think you can plug him in in a lot of places in the in the world to play. I mean, there's there there's a reason Real Madrid. Yeah, you know, don't get it, don't get it twisted. It's not so oh, we can sell some shirts. Yeah, they would sell some shirts, but they're not going to bring him in to leave unless he can play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry Kane's Harry Kane's fantastic. He's yeah. just he's fantastic. And, and when I say more explosive score, um, when I say that about Salah, it, it's also due to the position Salah plays. He's a winger, sure, and he scored forty goals last year. Yeah. I mean, it's just what it was. You know, he gets him. Salah's known to run and dribble and you know, outrun people or run past people and just do these things where Kane is more, he's a number nine slash number 10 mm-hmm. who kind of stays more central and doesn't have that blinding pace. He's fast, but he doesn't have like the blinding most pace. Mm-hmm. That said, he's more, I think he's more, um, much more accomplished around the goal and also more patient and uh, a better, he's a better finisher than Salah. Mm-hmm. You know, Salah just Salah really had an amazing season a year ago, and and Salah has improved his finishing, but Salah's not a pure number nine like Harry Kane. Well, let's different kinds of players. Sure, absolutely. Um, and let's talk about those players. Um, and I'm gonna combine our next, my last two hot takes into one because they're kind of the same. Um, they're they're slightly modified for each team though. On the one hand, we have Manchester City who absolutely spanked Huddersfield Town 6-1. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, 
hat trick from the Kuhn Aguero. Uh, Gabriel Jesus added another. David Silva added one. And just for a good measure, uh, even one of the Huddersfield Town boys put in one for City, Terrence Congolo, with the own goal in the 84th minute. So City gets their 6-1 win over Huddersfield. On Monday Night Football, Liverpool somewhat struggled to a 2-0 victory at Crystal Palace. Uh, a very game Crystal Palace team, though. Uh, James Milner scored a penalty in the 45, 45th minute after uh, Mo Salah was judged to have been fouled in the box. Um, mm -hmm. And then Sadio Mane hit the equivalent of an empty netter uh, in the 93rd minute on a breakaway after Crystal Palace had a one last chance to try and equalize. Um, so, Wes, this, this is my hot take. And, and it's for both teams, it's, it's about failure. For Liverpool, if Liverpool don't win a trophy this year, this team is a failure. For Man City, if this City team doesn't win the Champions League this year, in a year that Barcelona looks a little down, Real Madrid looks a little down, Juventus is going to have to incorporate Ronaldo. If City doesn't win the Champions League this year, this team is a failure. How am I wrong? I, I truly think you're wrong on both accounts. Um, well, good. That's the point of the second. Well, there we go. <laughs> uh, Liverpool, let's put it this way. If Liverpool um, don't win a trophy, but they finish second to City by three points, four points, and they get to the semifinals of the Champions League, I just don't think you can call it a failure. But I mean, you're he's a specialist in failure. He spent a hundred <laughs> bajillion dollars on a keeper and, and a set of back ends. He did, uh, mm -hmm. I can't do it anymore. But that's the argument. <laughs> well, if Liverpool go from, I believe Liverpool went last year and finished fourth. Mm -hmm. I mean, if Liverpool improved to 88 points, mm -hmm. but still can't get past City, who are. Who, are probably going to score in the nineties. I mean, how is that? How is that affect? It, it's it's unfortunate. I but it's I know it's your pain. I remember. Yeah. Remember, two years ago, Tottenham was in this exact position with Chelsea. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just you know, City are farther along in their as a squad. Um, and I'll tell you this too: you take a look real quick at City's start to the season. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you can say, well, they played Arsenal week one. <laughs> I'll give you the slow clap on that. Yeah. They don't play another team that, you know, was predicted to be in the top six until October 7th. Mm -hmm. October will finally tell us something about City. They'll play Liverpool to start the month, Burnley in the middle of the month, and Tottenham to end the month. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, look at what they've got coming up. They've got – which, I mean, yeah, we've got some higher hopes. But I don't expect Wolves to take off City. Yeah. You look in September. I mean, this is this is the bottom of the table. Newcastle, Fulham, Cardiff, Brighton, and Hope. Mm -hmm. I mean, what what would you expect from that other than you know twelve points? Yeah, I agree. Um, and for Liverpool, and then when you and we'll I'll say the same thing about City when I disagree with your hot there. When you start talking Champions League, mm -hmm. brother, it is matchups, matchups, matchups. Sure. 
and what the crazy hell goes on on the times. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at City a year ago. I'm still going to tell you City weren't the best team in the world last year. Unfortunately, matchup. They got the one team in the world that knew how to hit last year. And they got them over two legs, and they got their ass beat because Liverpool, Liverpool out City City. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it, it, it's totally matchups because it, it's two legs. Yeah, City were so built last year for the for the marathon that was the Premier League mm-hmm. that they just they weren't they weren't ready for Liverpool over two legs. The thing is, if Liverpool ends up on the other side, maybe they never play Liverpool. And maybe they go and they beat man, and they beat uh, Real Madrid three <laughs> one, you know. But and that's the same thing I say about Liverpool is when you start talking about Champions League, it comes down to the matchups. It, you know, it comes down to. I mean, look at Liverpool's run last year. Until Real Madrid, they were able to avoid Munich, PSGs of the world. You know, they didn't have to go to the, the European cauldrons. You know, they, I mean, they played some good teams. You know, Porto, obviously City, Roma. I mean, those are good opponents. And obviously, I just talked well about City. But, you know, if, if City can avoid Liverpool in the Champions League, then, I mean, there's no reason City can't make a deep run. And you know what? If City get to the final and lose... 2-2 and lose on penalty kicks? Mm-hmm. I mean, what the hell are you going to say about City? I mean, how much shit can you talk about that team if they go lose two on penalty kicks to Barcelona? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can't call them a failure. I feel the same thing with Liverpool. I just, I think with Liverpool, I just, I an improvement from last year. Yes, I think Liverpool can make a run at the Premier League title. Yes, I think if the cards fall their way, and I'll say this about anybody in the Champions League, if the cards fall their way, they can make a run and win the Champions League. What I don't want to see is a title race by 20 points. I don't want to see regression. Um, And I don't want to see us go out like the round of 16. (laughs) But, you know, if... Or, you know, in the quarterfinals, yeah, we went to the finals last year. I mean, say it's the quarterfinals and we end up with just say Barcelona because, you know, everybody talks Barcelona and we end up with Barcelona and we lose to them on a controversial penalty in the last two minutes. Mm-hmm. How can you call Liverpool a failure? How can you call City a failure when, especially in tournament football, there are too many variables that can take place mm-hmm. and over the season of the premier league there are too many variables that could take place you know I, I still think liverpool could do with another couple of signings to continue to strengthen that team so i mean i they're they're not a perfect squad there's no perfect squad in this world we know that mm-hmm. so i just think it's hard to call those top teams failures if they don't win the absolute biggest trophy in world football. But you know people will. Oh, absolutely people will. <laughs> absolutely you they know, will. You know Drive Time Radio is going to do it. Like You you I know, know there's going to be as soon as Liverpool drop two points, Wes, you know oh. Facebook posts are going to be made by a clock. He's, he's got to go. 
Mamba Baba Shaba in, in India is, is gonna is gonna be going for his head. You know that. The African contingent is by far the greatest contingent of Premier League fans. But I mean, you know, it's it's just um and that's the thing. I mean, as as soon as Liverpool draw a match with Burnley. Mm-hmm. Oh, they haven't learned their lesson. Same thing as always. Oh my goodness. They can't break down anybody. You know, as soon as uh as soon as City lose a match or lose to Liverpool on October seventh, oh they're not they're not invincible. They're not as good as they were. Oh my God, they lost they lost at Anfield. Guess what? They did it twice last year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but and that's just how it is, man. And these top teams, Liverpool want to make a run. City, if they want to make a run the Champions League. I mean, the only thing they can do is to – you've got to block out all those outside sources. Everyone's saying that you're messing up or you're not doing this right or you're the greatest team ever. Yeah, it's It's got to be blocked out. City did a really good job of blocking it out last season. Hell, Real Madrid did a magnificent job of blocking it out on their run to the Champions League, you know, where everybody was saying, are they done? Are they going to fire Zidane? You know, it was Ronaldo lost it. And they just chilled and they played football. Mm-hmm. And things came out for them the way it did. So Liverpool and City are both going to go through some sort of a crisis this year. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be, you know, who can who can get over it and continue to play football. My, my only question is, and, and this is this is much more towards City than, than it would be towards Liverpool, Mm-hmm. Isn't there a ring of truth to it, though? Like, I, I know I'm being over the top in what I say it as a failure, but we've said it before. Pep was brought in for City to win the Champions League at a certain point, and it doesn't necessarily have to be this season per se. But at, at some point, you can you can keep winning the Premier League, you can keep winning a domestic trophy here and there. At some point. For I think this to be considered a A plus one hundred emoji success, I, I think City has to win the Champions League. And, and again, if, if they don't win it this year, it's not a failure. If if Pep never wins it with City, his time wasn't a failure. But I do think that would be a a mark against him if he never wins the Champions League with them. Well, true because I mean you look back at his three years at uh, Bayern Munich, yeah. Which are kind of seen as, you know, what, what the hell, man? <laughs> you know, you were brought here to win. Great, you won the German, you won Germany three times. Whoop de damn do. Uh, of course, I think that's also a different look from City because winning the Premier League does mean sure. Oh yeah. I mean, right now, yeah, winning the with Bayern Munich. Well, congratulations. Yeah, it's like winning Ligue with, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, with PSG. Whoop de doo, Basil. What does it all mean? But um, you know, I think there is a there is a thing somewhere. And for Klopp, you know, there's going to be a point where Klopp feels that they have not achieved what they want to because you know Klopp said he came to Liverpool to win the, to win the Premier League. Sure. And he said he could. He thought he could do it in three to four years. Well, here we are. You know, it, it is time to it is time to put up on. Um, you know, when you're a fan, you kind of look at ways where I've seen us when we're at our at the bottom of our. Mm-hmm. I remember the six hellish months that Roy Hodgson ran my club. <laughs> um, 
you know, I've, I've seen us in a re- in the relegation. You want to vomit. So, you know, yeah, we've got the most, probably the most exciting manager in world football. I'm going to knock that kid out. Um, you know, we've got probably the most exciting manager in world football. And yes, we play great football and we're always competing. But yeah, after a while, you know, you do want to see the end product of it. You do want to see that end result. So, um, yeah, I'm not calling them failures after this year, but I, I just I want to see progress from both of them. Sure. Liverpool increasing that points total, making a real run at the title, finding a way to look like they belong in Europe, not mm-hmm. just that they're there. Sure. Yeah. I think that's that's reasonable to ask. Um, what is also reasonable to ask is for the upcoming schedule of matches for this coming up weekend, um, where I'm sure there will be absolutely nothing that happens to generate more hot takes. Um, at 7.30 a.m., City's back at it as they head to Wolverhampton to take on Wolves. Again, that is 7.30 Eastern. At 10 a.m., you get a choice of Arsenal, West Ham, and, oh boy, that is a reckoning of a match. Two teams who had pretty decent hopes coming into the season find themselves at two losses apiece. This is this is a big match, I think, especially for Arsenal, considering that it's at home under a new manager. Um, Southampton and Leicester also at 10 a.m. Huddersfield and Cardiff at 10 a.m. and Bournemouth at Everton at 10 a.m. That that one's usually a spicy matchup. And then Liverpool host Brighton and Hove, fresh off their upset of Man United at Anfield at 12:30 on Sunday at 8:30. You get Watford versus Crystal Palace, two of the higher teams early on in the season. And then 11 a.m., you get the choice of Newcastle versus Chelsea, Rafika, and welcoming in his old team, as well as Fulham versus Burnley. And then finally, on Monday Night Football on NBC Sports, 3 o'clock Eastern, Manchester United looks to push away the clouds as Maurizio Pochettino and Tottenham Hotspur head to Old Trafford. And just real quick, look at the table as we stand through two weeks. Uh, City and Liverpool are right there at the top only separated by one goal in the goal differential. Chelsea and Watford right behind them, along with Tottenham at Bournemouth. All those teams are perfect at six points. Uh, at the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone. Arsenal right now just outside of it, based on goal differential. Inside of it is Fulham, West Ham, and Huddersfield. Those are the four teams that have yet to get a point this season. So that is talk of the Premier League. Let's hit to news and notes and West. This is a story um, first came across uh, last week, and I sent it to you, and then you sent me the update today, <laughs> and oh boy, what an update that is. First, the original story, uh, this is coming from Rory Marson over at Bleach Report, uh, La Liga is going to play matches in the United States after a 15-year deal is agreed. Uh, there was no timeline. Some people said it might even start this year. Some mm-hmm. uh, people said next year, um, where a, a Official La Liga match would be played in the United States. And a lot of people kind of pointed out the Hard Rock Stadium uh, in Miami could be a place they did it. Uh, uh, this was all brought on by Relevant Sports or whatever. Same people that uh, hosted the International Champions Cup these past uh, four summers in the United States. Uh, they, they are the ones putting this on. And uh, this was a huge story, you know, the, the Premier League's been talking about it for ages, and, and it seems like a very 
source subject over there that to bring, you know, a, an official English game here, either as a home team losing a game or a 39th game, which some people have been saying. Um, but La Liga looks to have figured it out. However, apparently, when this deal was being worked out, nobody asked the players for their opinion. Because it comes out today, uh, this is coming from Marcos Fernandez over at uh, AS, uh, that all the La Liga captains, as well as a couple other players, and some clubs have said no to playing in the United States. Uh, this includes uh, Sergio Ramos, as well as Sergio Busquets uh, from Real Madrid and Barcelona, respectively, as well as uh, Juan Fran and Coque from Atletico Madrid, and the rest of the captains from the other 17 clubs in La Liga. Um, there's been talk of the players striking. If, if things aren't taken care of, nobody seems to really want to take this game. No, no, no. So it seems like it's only going to be one game. It's not even like everybody plays for yeah, one game of two teams. and But everybody seems completely opposed to this. So, Wes, I, I have to think, I feel like the answer is just money because it always is. Obviously. But, like, how does this get resolved and, and this deal worked out and then announced apparently with no player approval? And the players have an association, like just like in uh, we have in America with Major League Baseball, the MLBPA. Uh, there's a, a players association in England, and the Spanish players association very unhappy with this. So I guess, again, I think the answer is just money, and La Liga wants that money. But because I can't think of another reason that this would happen without really the players' consent behind it. Well, like you said, everything is everything is monetarily based. It's not so much that you know the X amount of dollars they would receive for going and playing this game. Mm-hmm. It is more the X amount of dollars that they feel the exposure of the game in the United States would bring. Exposure, um, and you know, La Liga in the last few years, especially this year, though, they're starting to look more toward that pushing out and expanding their brand. And a lot of that's coming because of obviously the explosion of the Premier League in the last decade, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yes, Spain can sit there and say, well, you know, we have the three most teams in the two Madrids and uh, Barcelona. Mm-hmm. But those teams are really finding that they, you know, even Barcelona and Madrid may not have the spending power going forward of a United or a City. Or, you know, even if, if Liverpool's owners are willing to open up their pockets, you know, of a Liverpool, potentially Chelsea, if Roman wants to pay prices. <laughs> you know you know what I mean? And, and then it's not only those top teams. When you start looking down the table, you know, Watford can pay a hell of a lot more money for her than Espanyol. Fulham was spending big bucks. Wolves spent I mean, big folks, bucks. yeah. And the thing is, they're going internationally and signing guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're going and getting guys that you know maybe could have gone to uh, you know Real Mallorca or Sociedad or uh, you know Getafe or some of those places. Well, especially when Wolves is picking people out of Portugal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Portugal's its own 
bag of <laughs> shit at the moment. But, but you know, and you say that Portugal's kind of always been the breeding ground for paint. Yeah, exactly. You know, you go to Sporting or Benfica or Porto. Well, and then you go to, then you take that next step. Then you go to uh, Atletico. And then Real and Barcelona pluck you when they're ready. <laughs> That's kind of how it always seems to go. Um, so they're looking for that. But the problem is, the oh, man. I, I hate the idea. It's bad. I hate it. I hate it when the NFL does it. Mm-hmm. Not that I give two shits about the NFL. True. But I think it's borderline moronic that they play a game in London. Mm-hmm. And, and here's my reasoning. You're taking... You know, and yeah, I'm I'm not looking at money angle. I guess I'm looking at it from a common sense fan angle. Your taste, somebody's losing a home match. Somebody's losing that home match revenue. Now, yeah, you can replace the revenue, but if I'm a season ticket holder, you're not. And don't forget, they're not going to send you know Hetafe versus Mallorca over here. Mm-hmm. You're going to get. Now they've said they're not going to bring El Clasico over here, mm-hmm. but you're going to get some form of. Barca, Real, or Atletico. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you're not selling that game on anything else other than one of those three teams, at least to start with. So one of those teams now, and let's let's just say, let's say they do Real Madrid versus, I like saying Getafe. Mm-hmm. And let's say they take it that they take the home match away from Getafe, right? So now Hatafe's losing this home match, which that you know that that sucks for them. They don't like that. But here's the other thing about it: is that now Real Madrid are having to get on a plane and go halfway across the world to play a match, and Barcelona's going to Espanol. But Wes, there's so much traveling in the Champions League. These clubs should be used to it. Didn't you know? That's an argument <laughs> I heard today. Well, and, and there is, you can say that, but at, at that, you know, you go to three hours different. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about going to the United States. It's a total, it's a different way that your biological clock goes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're Spain and you go east to Russia, you know, yeah, okay, we sail. You go to the United States, man, your whole day is flipped up. Mm-hmm. You, you know, um, and the fact that, and I mean, look, hey, we've seen baseball fans. I don't have such an issue maybe with a baseball team opening the season in Japan mm-hmm. because just the way baseball's played, you know, when they do that, you open your season and they about get a week off yeah, to recover and kind of get reacclimated. But we've also seen before where that has been the catalyst that has shot seasons to hell. You know, so, and then the timing of it would be a big thing. You know, do you do it at the beginning of the season? Do you do it right smack dab in the middle of the season? Or do you do it at the end of the season when every point might And suddenly, you know, Barcelona uh, Girona or Celta Vigo, but then Real Madrid have to fly halfway across the world. And, hey, you know, what happens if they've got champions? So you're telling me they're going to play in Miami Saturday 
and then have to fly back and then fly out again and go PSG on Wednesday? I mean, what the hell are you doing to these guys? Yeah, I don't ever I don't think the 39th game is worth shit because I mean, how do you to me, I've always figured out how do you come up with the 39th game? Everybody's already played everybody twice. Yeah. I mean, who are you? Are you just going to randomly pick somebody? And, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. I get to play Stoke. Oh, shit, I have to play Man City. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, who the fuck came up with this idea? <laughs> you know, other than somebody from Manchester United. <laughs> but I just – I don't see how it works. And now, if you're La Liga, I mean, how far are you going to try to shove this down their throat if the players are like – if it goes to it, we'll strike. Yeah. I mean, are, are you willing to risk a season, your reputation, anything on your own turf or around Europe? Are you willing to risk all that to go play a fucking game in Miami so Charlie Stilitano can get his jollies off? I mean, and two, no offense, I don't understand why suddenly the United States deserves a top flight match that matters. I mean, what what you know, what makes the U.S. so special that suddenly you're playing league games? Yeah, I think it's cool, and you can argue the international cup. But I mean, I think it's cool that you know we get to see our teams coming over here. I don't expect, nor do I want, Liverpool to play a game that means that could mean three points between winning a title or not. Sure, I don't want them to play that game in Charlotte. I agree. On a, at a football stadium, you know, that the Panthers are playing on the next and played on the week before. And is it going to be, you know, set up for football? Mm-hmm. I don't want that. And if you go to Miami, you're playing the fucking Dolphins, Hurricanes, Hard Rock Stadium. Yeah, Those are football stadiums. You've already got an NFL and a college football team in there. How good do you think that pitch is going to be? I mean, and on top of it, once again, when are you going to play it? Are you going to play in the early part of the season where it's 104 degrees in Miami. I mean, there's just so much, so many variables to this. And then once again, you're somebody's getting screwed from having to play this match. Mm-hmm. The fans, you know, if I bought season tickets, Hey, you know what? I might live in Leganes, but I grew up a diehard Manchester United or Real Madrid fan. And you know what? I saved all my money because, my God, I wanted to see Real Madrid worse than anything in the world. And I was able to buy season tickets just so I could get that Madrid match. And, oh, now it's going to be played in Miami. Yeah. Fuck you. I mean, if I'm a season ticket holder, I'm filing a damn uh, civil suit against somebody. Mm-hmm. I think that could be another thing you see. You're going to see a ton of people filing suits against uh, – uh, the club or the league because you know I was I was sold this ticket I was sold the season ticket based on the fact that hey I'm going to see everybody once and now you're taking that match away from me and I didn't have a choice in this but yet I still pay for my season tickets mm-hmm. so um yeah there's just I, I think there are so many landmines to this I just I hope to god the premier league just shuts the hell up play your damn matches where you're supposed to play your damn matches. Play them in the country where the league is. 
you know, go play all the exhibitions you want. You know what? If the Champions League want to somehow start playing games overseas, well, then you deal with the Champions League in doing that. But the Premier League, La Liga, uh, Lirun, Serie A, do not do this. You are you are opening Pandora if you try this shit. You're opening the door for everything to just go to hell. So I'm obviously not in favor of this. No, I, I'm not either. I, I for all the reasons you mentioned, and just the the logistics just seem really bad. And, and again, like yeah, the NFL is doing it. Guess what? Oh, hey, that certainly doesn't make it okay. I was like, that's my point. Is like, if the NFL is doing it, there's a good chance you shouldn't. I'm just gonna. Yeah, you want to know what else the NFL is doing? <laughs> okay. I mean, there's so much the NFL is doing. Hey, you guys want to start on kneeling for national anthems over there? See? <laughs> no, because only, only if they keep saying, only if Gigi Buffon keeps singing when he does that. Then you just got to tilt yeah. the camera down towards him. Um, what if happened? What would have happened if Gigi had kneeled? Thing it would have been an argument. Anarchy, I tell you. Anyway, um, I, I just I don't understand what player benefit there is here. And, and I get it; you can make the argument. Well, fans pay your salaries. Well, not these fans. Fa- the fans in Miami aren't paying my salary. Why, why am I getting on a plane to go pit, uh, go f- uh, play for a bunch of people who aren't going to watch me ninety percent of the year? Because guess what? And, and here's maybe the biggest reason for it. Wes, what channel do you watch the uh, the Premier League on? I watch it on NBC and NBC Sports. What channel do you watch Serie A on? I believe ESPN this year, right? Yes, ESPN Plus. Uh, what yeah, channel, ESPN Plus. What so channel can you watch the Bundesliga on? Uh, that would be Fox Sports. What channel can you watch La Liga on? Uh, BN? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yes, and needless to say, it's pretty much the only one I don't get. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's maybe what's really driving this is La Liga, for as big as a couple of their teams are, don't have a major media presence. They don't have one of the major sports networks really covering it hard again because ESPN swallowed up Syria because of Ronaldo. I mean, they were kind of already going to before yeah. the move. But once he did, they were like, give us the entire package. Um, so Syria has, you know, for $4.99 a month, you can watch every Syria match. You know, if you have a Fox soccer subscription, you can watch, I think, most, if not all, Bundesliga matches. If you mm-hmm. have NBC Sports and NBC Sports Gold, you can watch every Premier League match. It's really yep. easy. It's not that easy to watch La Liga matches at all. And so mm-hmm. I think this is a way of, La Liga trying to stay relevant when they don't have much media exposure. And let me tell you, this is the wrong way to do it. It's it's absolutely the wrong way to do it. I don't I don't know what network they could go to. Like I, I don't know when the the contract runs out with BN. Not that BN yeah, is yeah, done. Uh, we, we, we've turned WHIGT. <laughs> That's fascinating. That's true. jumping off point for anyone. There you go. Well, I mean, you know, you've got I mean, just look at the major network. You got I mean, there there are networks out there. It's just you know, I think uh, La Liga's kind of fallen behind in the whole marketing. And I think a lot of it's had to do with the fact that 
people usually just salivate over to them because of Messi and Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. You know, so they haven't really had to go out and do anything. So, but you know, if they want to keep up, they're gonna. Have well, and half of that combination is now gone. Exactly. And, and exactly. so I think that's 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 kind of brutal. But again, I think this is this is the wrong way to do it because again, this is this is one match. And guess what? Johnny, Johnny, Jimbo, Jim, Jim Tam, Jim Tan in Miami, he might go watch Real Madrid Getafe. Do you think he's going to give two shits about Getafe after no. the match? No. Do you, do you think he's going to go like, damn, that was, that was a really fun match. I want to learn more about Getafe. No, he doesn't give a fuck. He, he, he's, they're going to go to say Real Madrid. They're going to say, I got to say Real Madrid without Ronaldo, by the way. And then it's yeah. it's done, and like yeah. whatever. I I think this is a bad idea. And I, I mean, I mean, well, and I'll say it earlier. I mean, to me, you know, as a United States as a United States fan who loves European soccer, to me, I mean, yes, I guess if Barcelona come. The difference in Barcelona coming for the ICC and coming for a real match is in the real match they'll play Messi. Sure, the whole time they'll play Luis Suarez. You know, it, I guess it'll matter. But I'm gonna tell you, man. You know, to me, going to the ICC matches that we've gone to, I've never given a flat ass rip that they didn't matter for three points for my team. Sure. You know, the first time we went, what what was the one thing in the world I cared about? You wanted to see Steven Gerrard play at all? I wanted to see Steven Gerrard play, and I saw it. And it was it was like my soccer highlight ever because I got to see my favorite player ever play. Hey, the next year we saw we saw Zlatan play 45 oh. minutes. He scored a goal, and we got to talk to him after the match. That's it. And he talked to us. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and we got to smell Pagi. Oh, I smelled wonderful. Mm. Oh, it was great. Mm. Uh, you got to ask Jose Mourinho a question. I did, and he answered it. And he answered it without a hint of sarcasm to it, I don't believe, if I remember correctly. Yeah. That was the old Mourinho. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, my day as a fan out wasn't made because, oh, this mattered for three points and we got three points. No, I still think right now getting to see a Barcelona or a Madrid or a United or City or something like that in the United States it's still it's the novelty of it. Yeah, it was a celebration. Why, it's, why do why does it have to why does it have to be a league game? Yeah. Come play the exhibitions. I'm fine with that. I mean, shit. That, these teams they do that shit at the end of the year. You, know you what, always what? hear about Barca and them doing it. Oh, they're you know yeah, yeah they they just play a game all. Wes, let me throw this out there. If they really want to play a match that matters, come play the. Uh... Whatever their equivalent of the Community Shield is, or they just play the Super Cup. Come play the Super Cup. That matters. It's a Seriously. trophy. There you go. Seriously. You know, come because usually you play you play that on. New- so yeah, I mean, come do do something like that, sure. But you know, don't just put a random, just a random in the middle of the season. I mean, whoa. You know what? What's what's more enjoyable for me? Oh. <gasps> Oh, Real Madrid got three points off Hatafe, you know. Or, I mean, you know, as in our case, man, we got to see Jose Mourinho and we got to see um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic on the same night. 
Yeah, I mean, it didn't matter at the end of the day who won or who the shit, you know, we got to see the stars. Mm-hmm. Not just one set of stars in a shit team. <laughs> Even though, you know, you could say things about hey. <laughs> AC Milan that year. But so, yeah, I mean, it's also Liverpool probably. But, but um, it, it was just, it just, I think they're going overboard trying to force this whole, it has to be a league match. Yeah. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see if the players, I think really there's another meeting in September that they're going to have with the, uh, the association and everything. And see, I, I would be fascinated if the players decided to go on strike, though. That would be... That would be all the wrong press to get out of this. And I would laugh my ass off if it happened. Want to be more like the NFL? Here you go, alienating fans. All right. Speaking of alienating fans, Wes, let's hit the watch for what are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? Ed, you must have read my mind because I've been alienated by the channel at this moment. Perfect. Where um, I, I finally got the chance this week. I went and I finished my last two episodes of season two of six. Hmm. Of course, about SEAL Team 6, they were magnificent. They left us with a decent, a decent. Uh, well, we had a decent ending, but also so much promise for next season. So I go on my Google machine, type it in, and I'm like, man, well, let's see when the next season starts. Oh, they canceled it. Womp. Well, fuck you, History Channel. I guess we needed more TV shows about... You know, gold miners sleeping in her underwear and, you know, finding things to sell to a pawn shop, right? Yeah. History Channel's kind of going the way of MTV. As in, MTV doesn't play music and the channel doesn't do history anymore. <laughs> so, a show I thoroughly enjoyed over two seasons. There's um, only so much history you can have. Seriously, it's not like it gets made every day. Oh, wait. That was their slogan forever. Oh, God. History's made every day. Well, why don't you talk about it? Womp. So, I uh, guess I'm not going to get another season of six coming up. Anywho, um, and next week, I know for it, we're going to be right. Uh, we're going to be, I guess, previewing premiere week coming up. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of cool shows coming. Um, I guess one more for this week, of course, as I was telling you in the pre-show, I'll show called epic bathrooms yes i mean when people are when people are spending like i mean one person actually spent a million dollars on her bathroom insane. i mean it was insane in the membrane but anyone who's spending uh six figures on a bathroom i, I salute you because i am all about i i want the world's most badass shower <laughs> it's just it's this dream of mine i have so uh these people actually get to live the dream so good for them I love those little shows, Epic Bathrooms, Most Extreme Swimming Pools. I love that shit. So much fun. Just me. Uh, let me let me check out. I, I'm I'm I feel like there's something I watched recently. Um, oh yeah. Uh, normally I I've talked in the past about uh, League of Legends and how I watched that. Uh, and actually the North American League is about to start their playoffs this weekend with the quarterfinals. So go check that out. But uh, a game that's like League of Legends, Dota 2, is also, they're having their big tournament called the International this weekend up in Vancouver, uh, or this week, I should say, last couple weeks. Uh, Grand prize is, uh, I believe, 
12 million dollars with a 25 million dollar prize pool uh so if you want to go check out uh teams playing for absurdly high stakes uh with a video game uh go check it out it streams on twitch and youtube uh or on steam um wherever you want to check that out just type in dota 2 or just type in the international eight uh because it's the eighth one um it's very confusing i don't i don't recommend just like happening on it at a glance but hey if if you uh, if you want to see it just for the drama again it's a 25 million dollar prize pool and one team is going to take home a huge chunk of that. So a lot of money on the line there uh, for the for those gaming guys. Um, but Wes, speaking of the guys and, and, and big, big prizes. Boy! Some big, big prizes were won this weekend. As, uh, and some oh, big, oh. big, big, uh, big executions were handled at SummerSlam. So let's get so rough. Got a second biggest weekend of the year behind. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was not home Saturday night. I have not seen Takeover. I heard the Adam Cachet match was just out of this freaking world. <laughs> and we all know what a huge Adam Cole fan I am. Oh yeah. So um, you yeah, will will we'll just I'll let you guys watch that one on your own. So I'm gonna have to go back and do the same thing. Uh, SummerSlam, Brooklyn, New York. I believe this is the third straight, third or fourth straight year they've done Brooklyn and made it to an entire Brooklyn weekend. Um, kicked off, uh, we had a uh, mixed tag team match to kick off the kickoff show. Almas, uh, seeing Almas and Zelina Vega beating Rusev and Lana. Um, Cruiserweight Cedric Alexander kept his title, beat Drew Gulak. Uh, the B team beat the Revival to keep hold of the Raw Tag Team Championships. And that was your pre-show. They beat uh, yeah, beat the Revival. And that that's that's a one that's going to keep going on. We saw Raw. Hmm. Uh, starting off SummerSlam, they came. They burned it down. Seth Rollins beat Dolph Ziggler to win back the Intercontinental Championship. This was one where everybody in their brain talked about it last week, thought that Dean Ambrose was going to turn heel. Oh, no, my friend. They had other ideas for this. Actually ends up uh, taking out uh, Drew McIntyre, which helped distract just for a moment Dolph Ziggler and uh, Seth Rollins ends up winning. Great, great match. Uh, they give it a B plus. I give it an A minus. I just love Seth Rollins. Um, new tag team champions on SmackDown. The New Day beat brother. Yeah, really good match. Um, really, really fun match. Well, uh, and I take it back. They beat them by disqualification. Didn't actually win the tag titles. We'll talk about SmackDown in a minute. Um, the New Day looked like they were going to win at the Bludgeon Bros. Pulled out their sledgehammers and decided to start working on Big E's midsection with it. That's why so they called them the Bludgeon Brothers. There you go. They bludgeon. Um, so we'll we'll revisit that in just a couple moments. Uh, Money in the Bank briefcase match. Braun Strowman slaughtered Kevin Owens. And I don't think that match took two minutes. It was an old-fashioned squash, which, you know, you kind of hate the time because you love Kevin Owens, but at the same time, it tells part of the story. Owens is going to be fine. Uh, we do have a new SmackDown Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair, winning the Triple Threat. And after it, the moment that happened, 
center buzzing as Becky Lynch, for the first time in WWE television, turns heel. Mm. She attacked her best friend Charlotte after the match and then followed up with a very rousing um, uh, promo on SmackDown Tuesday night where she blamed the fans and basically did everything she could to go ahead and get some heat on her. Did a good job. So something we'll keep an eye on going forward. It looks like we're going to have a Becky-Charlotte feud coming up. Um, In the WWE Championship match, Samoa Joe beat AJ Styles via disqualification. Uh, This one had gotten extremely personal. We talked about some last week. Uh, Joe had started um, talking directly in his promos to AJ Styles' wife, uh, telling her how, you know, her and her daughter weren't going to have a daddy to come home. Yeah, it just got really personal. And during this match, it was very physical. It was a great match up until the ending. I thought it, I thought it was on to potentially be a match of the year. It was very good. Uh, but at the end, Samoa Joe had gotten on the mic and started talking to AJ Styles' wife, who was there. And Styles flipped and started beating him with a chair. So that's how the match ended at last. And it was such a good match. I thought it was really on its But, um, you know, end of the day, it was still a really, really good. And as we saw there and on SmackDown, that feud will be continuing. (laughs) It it shows no signs of calming down. It's going to be going to be fun going forward. Um, The Miz defeated Daniel Bryan. And this was a match that, you know, we've been really waiting for for about three years, ever since Bryan uh, had gone on the uh, SmackDown Live or sat down after show and he and the Miz had really gotten into it and this was finally going to be our payoff and it was a good match and it ended when the Miz was over by the tailbeat and his wife Maurice was in the crowd and you could very slyly see her reach into her jacket and hand him a foreign object mm. throw it back to the 80s we love a good foreign object and he came in and hit Daniel Bryan in the face. Turned out knuckles. And the Miz pinned him one, two, three. That one also continued on SmackDown the other night. Very, very good promo from the Miz, and a very good answer from Daniel Bryan. That one will keep going. Uh, where are we at next? Uh, Finn Balor beat Baron Corbin, which looks like hopefully it's kind of ended that feud, and we're kind of moving on to some different things now. Let's see what happens. Uh, United States Championship match, uh, Nakamura beat Jeff Hardy. Uh, Raw women's match, Ronda Rousey wins her first WWE Championship as she beats Alexa Bliss. And what was, uh, it was a very dominant performance from Rousey. I've seen people, oh, you made Alexa Bliss terrible. Well, look, you want this to look real. Alexa Bliss should not stand a chance against Ronda Rousey. This is true. And, I mean, that's just the way it is. You know, they, they did everything they could match go a while. Um, Alexa was using a lot of stall techniques. Basically, she did exactly what a good bad guy is supposed to do. And that's what happened at the end of the day is Ronda Rousey got the win. Uh, they really played it up. And finally, in the Universal Championship match, now this match carried repercussions into Monday night, so I'll kind of give you a little run of it. Uh, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Of course, earlier in the night, as we know, um, Kevin Owens had lost to Braun Strowman, so Braun Strowman kept his Money in the Bank 
uh, contract. As this match was about the end, Braun Strowman's music played, and he walked down to the ring carrying the briefcase. I think everybody was going crazy at that point, thinking he was going to make a triple threat. Instead, he took the microphone and said, I'm just telling y'all straight up because I'm not going to run behind somebody and try to you. He said straight up, whoever wins tonight, I'm cashing in on you. So just be ready for it. I'm going to stand right here and watch the match. <laughs> so um, we have the match, and just like you'd expect from Reigns and uh, Lesnar, it's brutal. Reigns actually got on top of Lesnar earlier, early in the match. A couple of spears, you know, I was on the pitch, oh, my God, they're going to squash Brock Lesnar. <laughs> It ended up not going that way. The match did end up going. Um, but Brock Lesnar got himself distracted, got dealing with uh, Braun Strowman, ended up leaving Braun Strowman laying on the after an F5. But then when he came back in, he got caught in Reigns. Reigns hits the spear. Reigns beats Brock Lesnar for the WWE Champion. So kind of a, I mean, you know, you could guess it, but it was still kind of stunning just to see it. Um, and then you're looking out toward the runway, but you know, Braun Strowman's left land, so he can't do anything. So with that, Raw goes off the air or Raw goes off the air. SummerSlam goes off the air. So now we'll go into Monday night. Two big things that happened this week on the shows. I'll start with SmackDown because it was kind of the smaller of the two big things. Uh, New Day and the Bludgeon Brothers had a no disqualification rematch for the tag team titles. New Day come out on top. Yay. So they are your five-time tag team champions now. They've got the belts. So everybody's excited to see that. Uh, Now on to to Raw. We get a match made earlier in the night. Roman Reigns kind of comes out, cuts a promo, says, I'm not going to be like Brock Lesnar. I'm here to actually defend the title every now and then. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he starts off by giving Finn Balor the rematch for the Universal title that he never got after losing it due to injury. Uh, so that was our main event, was Finn Balor and Roman Reigns, and it was a really good match. Now let me throw this little caveat before the match. Here comes Braun Strowman. Same thing as the night before, just so you know. Whoever wins, I'm cashing in on you. So we have a good back-and-forth match. Roman Reigns ends up winning, retaining the title. And then there's Braun Strowman. And Strowman comes in, gets a piece of Reigns, knocks the shit out of Reigns, leaves him hands in the briefcase, tells the official he wants to cash in. They announce it over the loudspeaker. He wants to cash in. Now they're just waiting for the bell to ring. And then in, before the bell rang, the words that Wes Bradshaw loves more in wrestling than any words in the world. Sierra Hotel, India Echo, Lima Delta. The Shield come out. The reunification once again. Shield. Ambrose and Rollins come out. We had seen them both early in the night. Ambrose actually defeated uh, Dolph Ziggler in the match. And um, they were out in their regular ring gear. But then when they came out, Ed, they were back in the tack. They were wearing the black pants, the black boots, the tack vest, the Shield shirt. The Shield is back. And the Hounds of Justice were out for blood as they surrounded the ring on Braun Strowman. And Braun Strowman ended up on the end of a shield triple power bomb through the announcer table. It was a beautiful way to end Raw. I'm telling you, man, personally, and, and there are a lot of people out there, oh, they're just doing this to get Roman Reigns over. Well, you know what, motherfuckers? 
All I care about is getting to see the damn shield. There you go. I don't really care if it's a Reigns, uh, you know, at this point. I enjoy seeing the shield. I enjoy Rollins. I enjoy Ambrose. I enjoy Reigns. And you know what? When all three of them are together, damn it, I suddenly really like Roman Reigns a lot more. <laughs> so you know what? Yeah, you got them over to me, but they brought the shield back. Uh, there are three new shield t-shirts that have been released. So that tells me that this is not just a one night thing. Um, they're going to, it looks like they're going to run the shield in the future. Of course, we had them running with the shield and Ambrose got injured. Hopefully this time everybody's going to stay healthy. We'll get a good run out of them. Whew. And man, it just, it just makes my damn day to see those three guys together with the fist in there, the triple power bomb and the numbers. The shield lives. Long may the hounds of justice reign. And that it is this week so wrong. I I love it when men fist each other. It is truly a sight to behold. And, I'm and glad, you need to shut your damn mouth. I'm glad, I'm glad we're we able to get so wrong about that. And we don't make jokes on the Shields experience. Anyone else, I would be right down there with it. Oh, especially man. with it being raw. But damn it, not the Shield. <laughs> oh, well. Women, children, and the shield. Come on. There you go. All right. So that's going to do it for episode 224 of the Foreign Affair podcast. Once again, thanks to NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com. We never stop. Uh, You can find them on Twitter. You can also find us on Twitter. Uh, As a collective, we are known as at AFAPod. Wes, you are? I'm at Wes Bradshaw 21. I'm at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show, the All New Sports Show. You can also email us at that address, allnewsportsshow at gmail.com. Uh, once again, thanks to all our podcast providers, including podbean.com, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Play Music, and the iTunes Music Store. Uh, we'll be back next week for episode 225 to go over week three of the Premier League. Uh, Manchester United and Tottenham are the match of the week on Monday night and uh, some other big matches to come from there. And, hey, maybe we'll have some more news about that player strike in La Liga. We'll see. Um, but that is going to do it for this episode. But before we get out of here tonight, Wes, is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, tonight the Red Sox win number 89 on the season. Um, they, yeah, they beat Cleveland. I'm going to tell you, man, the one team in the American League I'm scared of is Cleveland. And they're like the worst division leader. Why is this happening? I know, but Cleveland, for some reason, kind of, they play us well. Yeah. They play us well. Even the other night, I mean, we should have beat Cleveland, yeah. whatever. Um, so, I mean, we'll, I think we'll be all right. But anyway, uh, the Red Sox are marching on toward that best record. Um, week two of the high school football season is upon us. I will be at the Dog Pound this, uh, this Friday night. Nash Central and Southern Nash, a nice uh, former clash of – Big East foes. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Nash Central, a good 2A. Central, uh, Southern Nash, a good 3A. So that's where I'll be Friday night. It reminds me I need to call Tony Dowdy and see if he's in the game with me. <laughs> Thank you. I uh, will do that tomorrow. But uh, other than that, man, I'm just you know, ready, to, ready to see Liverpool play again this weekend. Even tonight, I killed myself. I went 12th. I'll do it for there you go. Well, he'll do what he needs to do for his Reds, and uh, we'll do what we need to do to see you guys back on the air next week. 
Until then, for my call in crime, West Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. As always, guys, stay safe and enjoy the football. But not you, Pogba. Good night, Jose Mourinho. Sleep tight. Maybe you won't have to be in that Manchester hell too much longer. We didn't even talk about how he complains about City having no class. Oh, yeah. God, yeah, we, didn't. we haven't even gotten oh, man. a documentary yet. Uh, I haven't even watched it. I've got I've got Prime Video. I got. Yeah, me too. We will. I just I don't know if I want to really watch eight episodes. I heard it's I heard it's super good though. Oh yeah, no, I've heard it's amazing. I'm just like, eh. I've heard it. I've heard it's almost even better. <laughs>